As the colder weather peaks its head around the corner, get into the newest limited edition fragrances by Glade and make sure your home has that warm and inviting aroma this holiday season. You can give your apartment or dorm the perfect vibe with twinkling pine and cedar or fall night long. How about setting the mood for your homecoming brunch with glowing pumpkin spice or maybe even the little crisp cranberry champagne for the cooler months? Smell is the strongest sense tied to memory, and nothing makes a good vibe better than masterfully crafted fragrances by Glade. Glow up the holidays with Glade. Available at retailers nationwide. What's poppin', people? Welcome back to Say Less with your boy Kaz. Low-key. What's goody? And no Rosie here, but but we have a very capable and appropriate replacement. Uh, just for today, though, just for today, a uh, good friend of mine, he also brought a special guest with mm-hmm. him as well. So we ain't going to waste no time. We're going to jump right into it. First off, we are here with not just a good friend of ours, friend of the show, long-time incredible creative, but the director and writer of Story Ab, which is in theaters now, Aristotle Torres. Welcome, Aris. Bless, 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 bless. And of course, alongside him is the star of Story Ab, but not only that, he's been in such incredible flicks, which you can catch in theaters right now, on Netflix right now. You are mm. so not invited to my bar mitzvah. You catch him in Carlito's Way. You catch him in, in millions of movies that... I'm probably forgetting at the moment because we're only specifically talking about this one. The legendary Luis Guzman is in the Thank house. You. What's going on, Luis? Yes, yes. I'm good, my brother. How are you? Oh, man. It is an honor and a pleasure to have y'all both in here. Uh, Lo, uh, a couple weeks back, got to go check out uh, the premiere of Story Ave in, in Times Square. Well, it was in Times Square, no, Lincoln Center. Yeah. And uh, an incredible film uh, written, directed by you. And it is at a time where films especially have been, you know, such a hard thing to make right now. Not just with, you know, it being your first film, but just the climate of films in general uh, could only be, it it could only be described as a small miracle that this entire production really came about. I heard a lot of stories you told at the screening. I heard a lot of stories that you said about this first-time director as well. But, Aris, I want to start with you, man. Mm. Uh, you, you wrote this film out. Um, it was obviously a labor of love. Yep. And uh, it's loosely based on your life. Um, talk to me about how long it took to actually write this script and just the story of it coming from your brain to paper to the film festival mm. to the feature length. Mm-hmm. How did it all start when you first started putting pen to paper to this film? Bless. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Uh, so I started by writing a short film. I, I made a short film version of this in 2018. And um, I really wanted to make it a play. I didn't think I could make a movie at that time. And it's just like a life goal of mine to make Broadway more accessible to inner city youth. But not only getting them in the building, but making sure they feel, feel comfortable once they're in the building. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where my heart was. Um, and then through a higher power, uh, Sundance found my short. And you know, if you're not familiar, Sundance started off as a school, as an institute, and then they developed the festival. Okay. But like Quentin Tarantino's their first student. Oh wow. You know, so we're talking about like Ryan Coogler, Tarantino, Ronaldo Marcus Green, um, Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, you know, just some of the greatest filmmakers of modern generation all have come out of that school. Mm-hmm. So when they hit me up, um, they were like, "We really like the short." Our labs have closed for the year, but if you can get us a draft in two weeks, we'll consider the script. And at the time, I was directing Starbucks, 
like real first commercial global campaign video wise. Okay. It was the biggest job of my career. And I was like, there's no way I could write this script in two weeks, especially on top of this job. I'm sorry, but I have to respectfully decline the offer. But I work really hard to submit day one next year. Gotcha. And thankfully, testament to them, they believed in me and the story even more than I did. They were like, well, we'll fast track you to the final round, which will give you five weeks. But your first draft will be up against everyone else's fourth draft. Mm. So mm. it's not it's not likely it's going to get in. They get 18,000 submissions. They pick eight films. Right. Mm. They're like, it's probably not going to get in. But if you want to take the challenge, here's the code. Okay. And I quit that Starbucks job and started writing Story Ave. So, you know, that's kind of what got us to the place of me being like, let me try to even write a feature. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a co-writer, Bonsu Thompson, that we all know. Legendary Bonsu Thompson. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about him in yeah, a minute, too, sure. definitely. Um, you know, so... Uh, we we went to Sundance and they really helped me usher and develop this small story into this bigger thing. Yeah. And it was through my relationship with them that they got me an agent at WME and a manager. And mm-hmm. it took all these amazing, really talented, connected people in order to get this made. Because I got 107 no's before I got the first yes. I could imagine, man. Yeah. It's, it's not easy, especially in this climate, making an independent film, especially for a first-time director. You yeah. mentioned your co-writer, Bonsu Thompson, who, who I, I call a legend in his own right. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Double XL, Source Magazine, all yeah. some of the best, one of the greatest wow. rap writers of all time, Bonsu Thompson, uh, helped you write this film. Yeah. And you know, uh, it takes place in the Bronx, the birthplace of hip hop, and you know, it, it's not necessarily a quote unquote hip hop film, mm-hmm. yep. but it has the spirit of it sure. throughout the entire uh, story. So, uh, talk to me a little bit about you and Bonsu's relationship as far as being co-writers, creating this, and making sure that the film spoke to a specific audience when you were making it. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, my my passion was just like storytelling, like structure, um, you know, so like. We had such a great dynamic because, you know, he's really witty with like the lines, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, um, you know, I I grew up an athlete, artist, nerd. So like I've never been in a gang. I've never robbed anyone. And not to say that he had done that, but he at least understood it a little bit more than I did in terms of the nuance. Okay. And, you know, I'm I'm an orphan. So like I don't really understand the dynamics between parents and mothers and sons. That's very far. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. So like Bonsu was so instrumental in helping me craft. Kadir's mom and making sure that relationship felt authentic, you know, so I was really blessed. I mean, writing a script is honestly like, it's the hardest part of the process because actors, directors, producers, they get scripts, but writers start with a blank page. So it's really daunting when you're just looking at a blank page. So to have someone there who's not only, you know, a genuine support system, but actually has good ideas is invaluable. What's one of the main things that you learned from Bansu during this entire process? Like one of the things that stuck out to you that you're gonna carry with you throughout your career as you continue to write more scripts and direct more scripts? Like what's one of the things that just says, I gotta take this with me every time? Sure, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think it was just like, you know, I think so much of my job is, is, is collaboration. Mm-hmm. It's like having a very specific vision, but never putting my ego in front of the vision. So right. being malleable, being open. You know, so like it was just another great lesson for me of like working with someone that I respect that might see a little differently than mm-hmm. me. But like, what is that balance? What is that compromise? How can we both hone in on our intention mm-hmm. versus the actual words? And I think that's just like an invaluable lesson in all aspects of life, but mm-hmm. especially for what I do as someone who like so much of my job is articulating vision and hoping people execute that. Gotcha. You know, Luis, uh, at the premiere of this movie, you had uh, you, you told the story about how the script found you and uh, how badly you wanted to to make this movie with 
Aristotle. Um, you've been in a million incredible films over your career. Um, and one thing you said at the end of that, um, right before the screening happened was, if this is the last film I make, I'll feel complete in my career because I got to make this film. Um, talk to me, before we talk about that statement, talk to me a little bit about how this script found you and the relationship you've built with Aristotle because you, what, you weren't just an actor coming in to do this movie. You had actual skin in it. You actually felt like, you know, uh, especially given the, the climate with the strikes and everything going on, um, everybody, it feels like in this movie everybody had to pull in a specific direction to even make it work. And you were at the center of that. Talk to me a little bit about that process. Yeah, um, well, somehow the script got to my management and agent people. Mm. And um, and they turned it down because supposedly, you know, the movie's not financed, so we're not going to bother with it. Mm -hmm. 18 months later, I get a call from my boy, Ruben, Rivera said, yo, there's this script and this kid's been trying to talk to you about it and uh, it's a really good story. So I go, okay. Put me in contact with him through email. Mm -hmm. I said, send me the script, I'll read it. I sat down, I read it in one pass. When I read something in one pass, that's something major to me because it's like, wow, there's something here that's beautiful. Mm. It was a page turner. You couldn't put it down. No, but no. Yeah. And and um, you know, I uh, the story itself, man, was kind of a, of a, of a mirror of my own personal life and some of the struggles that I myself went through with my dad. Mm -hmm. You know, and just the whole environment. But um, I was also a social worker. Mm back in the day before I got into acting. And I saw how this character took on this young man and just try to help and, and guide him mm -hmm. and foster him and, and, and be a good mentor to mm -hmm. him. And so this, this script, this story, had an incredible heart to it, you know, and it really affected me. Mm -hmm. And it was the kind of movie that I've always wanted to do. I said, wow, I got the opportunity to do something that's New York, something that's close to my heart, mm -hmm. something that I understand, something that I grew up with, something that I lived, that I felt, that I tasted, that I breathed. And it was all right there in one package. So I called my people up and said, Guess what? I found it. I'm doing this movie. <laughs> <clears throat> and it was a little bit of a battle because, you know, we had the money, we didn't have the money, and it's like, whatever we got to do, let's make this movie. Mm -hmm. You know, let's make this movie. And, um, you know, we developed our relationship, and he told me what his vision of, of the movie was, and I love everything that he said. And I wanted to also support a young filmmaker from New York. Uh, th that was my next question. I yeah, was like, how much, you know, you, you've, you didn't just make it in, in the film industry in Hollywood. You made it from New York, too. And, like, a lot of your characters, a lot of the people that you've played over the years, 
Um, yeah, it's been a lot of Puerto Rican Latino influence, but it's been a lot of New York influence as well. Yes. You see a young man who's also from New York getting his first time at a at a real big feature film. How much did that? I know I know you just mentioned it, but talk about how much that factored in to wanting to do this film, especially when people in your corner were saying, nah. "Don't do this." You know, it, it comes to a point in in my career that, like I said, you know, I don't want people to take what I'm about to say wrong, but it's like, I make other people look good. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got a long rap sheet, man. Like, <laughs> you know I, I'm absolutely, yeah. I'm responsible for a lot of that. Right? Yeah. But, but like I said, this was something that was written. It was New York. It was an incredible story. It was like, I knew this guy. I knew this kid. I knew some of the people he rolled with. Mm -hmm. You know, I seen the outcome. And for the most part, we know mm -hmm. some of the outcomes are not good. Yeah. You know, and yeah. but in this story, the outcome was about growing. It was about mentoring. It was about surviving. It was about growing, and and at the end, like I said, you know, it just worked for me because it was real, it was true, it was honest. And like I said, like I said, like we said, it's New York. Yeah. And even though I was dealing with a first-time director, I had my faith in him. Yeah. Because my faith came out of the words that they wrote and how they captured story because you know sometimes you read something and okay you you just read it mm. but in reading this story all I was doing just visualizing it mm -hmm. and when you visualize something and you fall in love with that with those visuals that's like oh yeah this is this is this is the art that I want to do that I want to be part of creating and supporting like and like and, and with that, Aristotle, I want to ask you, like, how important was it for him to almost put his neck on the line? With, with, this is your first go round. Let me add to that question as well. Uh, I, I mentioned the movies before. I want to make sure it's straight before <laughs> you get into them. Uh, thank you, uh, Wikipedia, as always. Magnolia, Brookie Nights, Punch Drunk Love, The Limey, Traffic, The Hard Way, Q and A, Carlito's Way. I mean. Tons of movies. Count of Monte Cristo, Pelham One Two. Come on, man! Like it, it, the, the the list goes on and on. So, so with that, yeah. the resume stacked, right? Yeah. Like it's already established, it's already done, it's already etched in stone. How mm -hmm. important it was for you to hear him speak so highly of supporting you on your first go around when he didn't necessarily have to. And correct me if I'm wrong. You mm -hmm. said you only had Luis in mind for this role. Yeah, like I wrote <laughs> the role for him. Like I. Mm -hmm took like two weeks of just watching his movies, watching his interviews, really studying his cadence and like the way he spoke and his tone mm. um, and did my best to attempt that on the page. You know, in terms of like how important it was, I don't know if it was necessarily important, but it was definitely validating. Mm. And I think whenever you're an artist, if you're making good art, you're vulnerable. And validation from people that you admire can change the way you look at the value of yourself and your art. You know, so it's like, you know, I know that when I see him in a role, he carefully chose that role. So for him to want to do that move to do my movie makes me go, OK, you know, maybe, maybe there is something here that I really need to believe in and be behind, you know. And then it's like when you're on 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 the day and you're watching someone of his caliber 
and Asante's caliber and just really the cast in general take words that you wrote in a room by yourself or with Bansu and you're watching these people take it up to a place that you never could have imagined, that's when you're like, oh, I am here, mm -hmm. you know? And like, I might not be uh, Scorpion and Sub-Zero, but you can choose me. I'm on the board, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I'm in the game select, I'm in the game selection box. I'm there, I'm there. And, um, and this is a really hard, you know, movies and miracles. Directing is really, it's the hardest thing I ever did. You know, like I said, 107 no's before I even heard someone say maybe, you know? So it's really easy to doubt yourself <clears throat> and it's really easy to doubt the project and the value of the work when you're pitching the work to the people that it's not made for. So that's another thing I have to say too. Like, I hope that, you know, of, of the 107 companies I met with, only three of them were minorities. Wow. You know? Wow. And like that's gotta change too. Yeah, you know I was about to I mean? say that's a big reason why a movie like this, as beautiful as it is, it shouldn't be this hard to make movies like <laughs> right, this. Right, right, right? Right. Like these are the type of reasons why you watch films. It, right. it yeah. captivates you, you know. Um I just wanna say also no, no, go ahead. I know one of our investors was a minority investor. Nice. That believed nice. in us. Shout him out. What's his name again? Um, um Martin Cabrera. Okay, okay. And Robert Agu Aguilar. From Cabrera um, Capital, nice out of Chicago. Nice, shout out to them. Definitely, and they have and they have supported us. Man, they did a screening for us at the Box Theater the, in Chicago, and Crazy. it's a, a seven hundred seat theater. Six hundred and ninety people showed up. Wow, wow! And then the Q and A was supposed to be half hour. We were there for an hour and a half, <laughs> it was and real. nobody left. I mean. Mm. I, I, I went to the screening in New York City, and and that's not a surprise because as as you're watching the movie, you just there's so many inspiring moments, especially if you're a New Yorker, right? Like I'll give a, a quick synopsis of the film. Story Ave is, is about a, a young man who uh, you know has a love for graffiti and uh, is in, is in a group. Uh, I don't want to call them a gang, but you know they're they're in a uh, you know they're like a tagging group and you know there's rivals and stuff like that but he gets into some bad situations and to prove his loyalty to you know such group he has to go and stick somebody up which happens to be your character Luis and as y'all met as you meet you see the sort of the relationship change in the sort of coming of age mm -hmm. sort of way and um the the reason why this is so inspiring is because I remember at the end of the film uh, somebody stood up, and I, and I wish I remembered his name. I, I'm so sorry for not remembering your name, but he stood up and said, I've never seen the Bronx shot this way, mm -hmm. right? Like, you, you watch it, and he just like, you know, sometimes you watch the movie in the back of your head, and it, especially if it's a big-budget movie, you're like, that's Chicago. Yeah. That's Philadelphia. Like, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? But this, you know, the Bronx is such a, a culturally creative hub for the entire world mm -hmm. whether it's art whether it's hip-hop whether it's graffiti whether it's sports yeah. yank anything yeah. like the bronx is such a hub for that and the way y'all shot it was just beautiful and beautiful in its crudeness too right like yeah. it was it's not it wasn't squeaky clean but the way it was shot you could see like the sort of rose growing in concrete in almost every single scene Absolutely. so I, I would love to just know you know in addition to the writing of the film and both of y'all being new yorkers and being able to put out a film about new yorkers that takes place in this city how important was it for the both of you to not just bring it 
as artists and directors, but you know, the way it's shot, the way it's seen, the cinematography, you know, all that stuff. How much did that all play in? I, both of you guys, I'd love to hear that, that question. Yeah. You know, I think, I think, you know, filmmaking is, is just intrinsically hard because so many variables are working at the same time. It's almost like football. It's like in your offensive line, if one guy is a little off, the quarterback gets sacked, mm -hmm. you know, the pocket collapses. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's a ballet. Like we're all, you know, um, when everyone's making the same movie at the same time, that's the magic, mm -hmm. but that's the hardest thing to get to. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so every, you know, it's, it's, it's me directing, it's him giving the performance, it's Eric Bronco DPing, it's our production designer picking the right color for the background and the right texture, it's the costume designer making sure that there's conflict within their fabrics and their color tones mm. represent where they are in their emotional arcs. So it's all these things kind of working together in this ballet. It's called Mizazine. And it's, you know, uh, obviously I love the Finchers and the and the Kuglers and the Tarantinos, but like I study more than anything, you know, Fellini, Kurosawa, Ozu, mm -hmm. um, Hitchcock, um, uh, you know, those are the guys who really created the way we receive stories mm. and I wanted to shoot black and brown faces the way old Hollywood would shoot white faces because I feel like we rarely get that treatment mm. and I feel like when people shoot a quote unquote an inner city story it's got to be really gritty and really handheld and like and like there are elements like that in this movie but it's not for the sake of being cool it's for does this shot and set up makes sense for this emotional scene or yeah. for where they are emotionally in the story. And I think, you know, when you're making a movie and you only have nine pages, you know, you're, we're doing nine pages a day. You don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of money. You don't really have a lot of time to explore, you know, so you have to be very intentional about what you want. You know, so when you're seeing a medium, when you're seeing Luis say that line on a medium, I only have that line on that medium. <laughs> I had to commit to that, mm -hmm. you know? And I think um, when you make those commitments and you establish rules, rules in the sense of like, these are our parameters, all those things naturally fall into place. And also understanding that when I would deliver the line, the words, I already understood what my place was. Mm within all this. Um, and it was interesting, when we did the apartment, the way I would prep myself mm. is I would sit on the sofa that had the plastic on it. <laughs> <laughs> Puts you in that mood. We all know that. <laughs> we all know the plastic. And, the, and, and, and that kind of that set me up because like, yeah, this is the reality that I grew up with. Yeah, yeah. You, you understand? And also even stuff in the kitchen and saying, bro, I, I, I don't cook with those kind of pots. <laughs> I need real pots. Yeah, used pots. I, I, need, yeah. I, I, need, I need the galvanized pots, you know? Yeah. And and so, because, because like I said, all those elements are also part of the story. And they're an important part of the story. Because emotionally, how many times have I felt, fell asleep on that sofa... And I have to peel myself mm. off. Yeah, yeah. And, and that feeling, mm. you know, uh, uh, without giving too much of the of the uh, plot away, your, your your character does have an alcohol uh, mm -hmm. problem. So you know, lives by himself. Um, the relationship you 
uh, in the movie develop with the young man is 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 one based off of, I guess for both of y'all loss and okay. you know at the same time being able to uh, kind of need each other in, in specific moments. I mean, for me, it was understanding that the pain was real. Yeah, mm. the pain was real, and and um, you know because the way we grew up, I didn't have to. I didn't have to like, oh, okay, what's my idea of pain? No, I I, I lived through the pain. Yeah. Mm. So I just utilized that. Just tapped it, into it, it. It sounds like, you know, these these scenes, these emotions that you're tapping into, um, it sounds like it's almost reigniting a fire, right? Because you said if this was the last film you did, you'd be good. But do you feel like there's another spark that comes from making this film with, with Aristotle? Do you feel like, no, nah, I want to do it again, but in a different way? Um, That's a great question. And my response to that, it, it has to be something so mind-boggling, so grounded, so beautiful, so different. You know, that would be the challenge that that material will have to present mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, um, I just I just I just finished shooting a comedy. I could imagine. <laughs> you, so, stay, you stay you, you stay, stay working. That ain't yeah. that ain't you know what I'm that yeah. is not for a question. You know, and and it's interesting because uh, uh, the director will always come up to me after I gave all the takes that they wanted. Mm -hmm. He said, "Okay, this one's for fun," <laughs> and it got to the point that I would say. <laughs> Run that. You know? Run that. It's like, you know what's more fun than that? <laughs> you know, <This. laughs> you know, but like like I said, listen, I'm 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 in a place right now that I'm so blessed with some of the material that I get. Mm -hmm. Um everything is different. I would never compare his material right. to anything else that's coming my way. Because again, emotionally, comedically, everything's different. And and look, man, it's like you put all the ingredients on that table, and it's up to me to take that and cook it up. Mm -hmm. mm. You know? Yeah. He put it all on the table. And you took from. And I took it, and I cooked boom, it let's go. Yeah. Let me follow up on that, Luis. You're, you're one of the most prolific actors of our generation, right? Like, not just the quality of films, but it just seems like... You just pop up, you could be do comedy, you could do action films, you could do serious movies, but you are just, you never seem out of place in any mm. film. Anytime you pop mm. up on something, I'm just like, that yeah, that tracks. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> makes sense. Mm. Um, I, I mean, aside from just the volume of movies that you've done throughout your career, how conscious of you are you of just being able to fit into any role that, that you feel like you, you want to do? How conscious are you of that? You know, um, first of all, I never think that I've done the same role twice in never. my brain. <laughs> you never. know, but um, I don't know. You know, it's I, I I I I just get into it. I don't think about it. Mm. I know what the premise is. I know what the situation is. Um, not not to cut you off, but I almost feel like it's almost in the same vein. As Aristotle, where he said he wrote this for you. Right. I feel like at this point in your career, 
anybody who reaches out to you is almost oh, bro, like I, I can't tell you how many times and at the same time I can't tell you how many times I'll show up to set and a writer will come up to me mm. and say I wrote this for you I just don't think I wrote it right so you can do whatever you want with it right and then that's that's an honor for me to hear that because someone is trusting me mm. yeah you're like, how do you feel when someone actually says, you know, I wrote it for you, but I don't think I wrote it mm. right? Like, how do you even tap into, like, all right, well, here's how I'm going to play it, and here's how you could write it next time or whatever the case is. Well, like, what's your mindset? I just want to honor them mm -hmm. and honor their words, and I just I just spice it up. Yeah. That opens up the window for improvisation, just yeah. to be, just to be yeah. you, you know? Because yeah. you got the skeleton. So now yeah. I'm going to put the meat on it. Exactly. <laughs> it, could, it could go both ways too because like even in acting like physicality is a tool, right? So yeah. there's this like one scene in, in the movie where Luis is kind of talking about his his wife. And I remember saying to him on the day, I was like, something feels off. Like it feels a little flat. Like I feel like we need to punch this beat up. Like this is a really big beat for the story. And he was like, right, let me think about it. And when we did the next take, all he did was just twist his wedding ring mm. and it was just like that was just enough of a layer that it built upon the frame without adding words mm. it's a small intricate it's detail. just a small detail yeah. right because yeah. it's like as artists we're all you know our luxury our privilege is someone watching it more than once because then they can appreciate all the nuance on the on the screen they could be like oh that that was there from the beginning you know so hopefully if somebody watches it twice and they're like Oh, he's talking to us through his physicality. Yeah, you know, like that's an example. Then there was like another, another example where with words, I had like this little soliloquy, and I was like, you know, I wanted Luis to say this poignant thing to Kadir before Kadir left the diner, but it felt too, it felt too heavy. It felt too perfect. It felt too neat. Um, and he re he he gave me what I wrote, and and that was great. Mm. But then he gave me something different that was the same mm -hmm. because like we both understood the intention, you know. So that's what I was saying. Like when everyone's making the same movie, that's the lightning in the bottle. But that's so hard to achieve. And you know, if I may, there was a moment mm. when Kadir comes into the restaurant, and these are things that happen in our in our lives. I'm sure. You got a situation, and somebody comes and says, "Yo, that's my seat." Yeah, I love that. I wasn't, I wasn't going to say it. Like, so anybody yeah. who's ever been to Sahara East, yeah. downtown Lower yeah, East Side, like, Low Key's corner, but, that, like, but that's a reality. Yeah. Isn't it is. So it like, is. and we is all it. gone through it. So I utilize that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a that's a situation like you know. There's a hookah spot that I go to. It's called Sahara <laughs> And I've been going there for so long. And I've been going there for about 10 years. And they honored me with a LED sign that says Loki's Corner. So when I go in there and I see somebody sitting in my seat, it don't look right when someone else is sitting there. It doesn't, but like I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put that perspective of like get up because yeah. like they're still paying customers. Yeah. But I do feel a fucking way, like bro, you see, <laughs> like you see me in here all the time. But in the movie, and I hope I'm not. Spoiling too much of it. That part comes at such a perfect time. Oh man! Because it's like you have so many. I don't want to say one-liners. I don't want to disrespect it, but there's so many moments of levity that is brought, where it just feels like sometimes it's very intense, and it's like it's very oh man, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Mm -hmm. And then you know, perfect example. You coming into the restaurant, I was like, 
Just sitting in my seat. <laughs> it was, and then it, it, was, it was great, too, because we didn't tell Asante we were going to do that. <laughs> so his reaction to that is like, genuine. What, what are you talking about? You know, so that was good, too. No, all right. So yeah. I want to ask y'all, um, y'all know, like, I'm the heavy in the music, and that's just what I do. And sometimes when we listen to albums that have come out 10, 20, 30 years prior, and we still listen to them to this day, we catch something new. Every fucking time. Sure. Mm. Is that something you guys want to achieve with this? Because I remember you mentioned something about you know watching it again, watching it again. You oh see this, you see that. Is that something that that's important to you that you catch a nuance, a line, a meaning, uh, you know, a double entendre or whatever? Is that important to of, you guys? Of course, of course. I mean, you know, we're we're all we're trying to make work that is not representative of a specific time or a specific thing we're trying to make things that feel specific in a sense of like the tonality but you want as many people to experience the art as possible because mm -hmm. the art isn't the thing the art is the conversation after the thing mm -hmm. you know so it's like as long as we keep challenging ourselves to challenge the audience there's always going to be that opportunity to create nuance and layers that people can get something new every time they watch but that's that's really hard to achieve you know yeah. that's being a master of your craft. Right. You you tapped in with with real graffiti artists for this movie yeah. and real, you know, real groups like you 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 didn't just, you know, google some stuff or YouTube like yeah, how yeah. Do, how do, what, what do what do what do graffiti groups in New York say? I don't, I don't know the proper term for it, but you know, I mean, there's crews yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. you know, you tag a certain walls and all that type yeah. of stuff. You, you got to link up with some actual crews, some real legitimate, um, you know, uh, famed graffiti artists yeah. for this film. Yeah. Talk to me about that process, man, because, you know, there's, there's a fine line, especially when it comes to um, creativity and bringing it to a, a mass sort of medium mm -hmm. that, you know. Also representation. Right. Certain folks might, you know, maybe be iffy on like, well, okay. Like, like I don't know if I want to venture over to it's that. It's a little, yeah. yeah, it's a little difficult sometimes mm -hmm. to, you know, put yourself out there. But you gain the trust of some of the most well-known uh, graffiti crews in New York City. How was it like working with them on this film? And what did they do specifically to help make sure the authenticity of, of tagging crews around New York City and specifically in the Bronx was, you know, uh, properly shown in this movie. Yeah, you know, I think it's similar to the Bronx. You know, it's similar to black and brown faces. Just respect, respect and admiration. You know, graffiti culture is a global phenomenon. It is a subculture with its own rules and its own slang and terms and... Um, you know, at least from for me, it's probably one of the last pure real art forms that's mm. like not, Dang you know, it. guided by capitalism right. or corporate agenda. <laughs> like these kids are risking their life, they're risking their freedom in order to just express themselves. And I find, you know, especially in this day of instant gratification, like so many artists forget that like being famous when you're alive as an artist is a fairly new thing it's a new that's thing. really yeah. Andy Warhol kind of started I mean True. obviously there's the Michelangelo's there's the yeah. Gaudis and the Da Vinci's but like those guys were commissioned by churches I'm talking about like if you were just like an artist making really dope stuff in your room yeah you weren't expecting to be like popping so I have so much respect for this culture in this world where fame for the art is the goal but not for themselves like they hide their faces like mm. i find that to be so mm. interesting in this modern day of instant gratification mm. and branding everyone's branding themselves um so you know i was really lucky i got to interview over 25 graph artists 
and just listen to them, listen to them tell their stories of why they risked their freedom, you know, why they put their life on the line to, to throw up a tag. Um, you know, how do they feel about people perceiving their artistic expression as solely vandalism and yeah. criminal activity? Um, you know, so getting to understand them not only helped me convey the graffiti in a more authentic way, but it helped me make a better story mm. because I, I, I valued authenticity even more so. Um, you know, and our movie is unapologetically authentic. And you probably gained a, a new level of respect for what they do with their craft for their city, their borough, their crew. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm, you probably look at them in a different lens right now. Absolutely, and I hope that if you see, or when you see this movie, mm -hmm. you walk out of the theater and you see a tag and you go, oh, that's that. why those three little letters are in the yeah. corner. <laughs> that would be really cool. You know, um, we, we spoke about the independent spirit of this film and mm -hmm. everything that you guys sort of went through to kind of make it without even mentioning the strikes, without yeah. mentioning Ooh. anything COVID. like that, go COVID, COVID, all these incredible things that are sort of out of our control that help contributed these to- These hurdles. Right. Creatively, yeah, cre yeah. creatively. So just talk to me a little bit about that, man. I mean, I know you started shooting the film a while ago, but pre-COVID, but talk to me how that affected the film. Talk to me about how, you know, the strikes uh, ended up uh, affecting some of how the film was made and, and promoted. Um, I think, you know, now that the writers, uh, SGA... Uh, I think they, they came to... WGA a, uh, yeah. writers uh, met an agreement, whatever. Yeah. Um, I would just like to know, just from, from y'all perspective, uh, how that sort of... How that sort of changed how this film was made or did it change how much this film was made. It definitely did, and so uh, this response will answer that, but it'll also set up how much of an angel he is. So mm. we actually didn't, we, we didn't shoot before COVID, we were supposed to shoot in March of 2020. Oh, wow. That's like two right, weeks right when it right kicked off. Right yeah. Yeah. Two weeks yeah. before COVID right started. Right before Rudy Gobert touched the microphone. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. Don't do that to Rudy. Let him do that. Let him do that. that. That's day one of COVID for me. No, that's how it was. It was. It was. That was the, you know. But yeah, so, you know, when COVID happened, we lost half of our financing. Mm. So my whole my whole theory through this whole thing has been they can't beat us. That has been my slogan because we've had to overcome anything that you could imagine as an obstacle, we had to overcome it and then some. Like it was just like every step gets continuously harder. Um, so when COVID happened, we lost one of our financiers, which was a million dollars, just gone overnight. Damn. And, and you know, once COVID ended and people were like, oh, we're going to, people like we're starting to shoot again, we didn't have the money to get greenlit. And Louis, to the credit of him and his son, Sami, found Cabrera Capital mm. and found this money, you know, um, so that changed everything because I think in order to make a movie, movies are miracles, you have to, you have to, you have to make it, you can't want to make it. And mm -hmm. I think getting so much rejection, overcoming so many obstacles, by the time I made it to day one of being on set, I not only knew I was meant to be there, that that was my purpose, mm -hmm. but I knew that we were prepared for war. Because we just overcame so much. Oh, yeah. We just went through war. Yeah. <laughs> like literally, financially and creatively. Yeah. So as as you, you you go through the ups and downs, you lose the money, you find the money, COVID happens, all this other stuff. Now 
we're here and and you know Strikes. you're trying to promote the movie you're trying yeah. to do the things to get people to see it make yeah. all this money back strike happens yeah. <laughs> how, literally how, how does that how does that sort of what what goes through both of your minds as this is happening you know it's like so it's not that we have to backtrack mm -hmm. we just have to re-strategize it you know it's yeah. like okay we're not gonna go this way but we're gonna go this way to get that way mm -hmm. if that makes sense mm -hmm. and um you know we got i got we got the blessings from from my union to say go ahead and promote your film you that's know? what's up um uh, no disrespect to my union, but I was going to promote this movie anyway. I was going to do it regardless. Because, because uh, again, you know, this is this is the little film that could. This is this this is the mentality that my brother just said. They can't beat us. Yeah. You know, this is this is the story that so many people relate to. On so many different levels, uh -huh. the art of the movie, the 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 family structure of the movie, the struggle, the struggle, the death, the coming to terms, the growth, and I said, you know what, I'm 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 promoting this because there's people in the world that this movie is going to affect in the best way. Yeah, speak directly to them. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm 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 one of those people, man. As soon as I was done, I literally text him. I text Bonsu. I was like, I'm inspired after watching it. Yeah. I've never made a movie in my life. I'm like, these are guys I've known for years. a minimum of ten years each, yeah. and they just made one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. I'm a New Yorker. It's probably gonna hit differently for New Yorkers yeah. that watch it. Mm -hmm. um, but the eye's gonna open for someone outside the city, outside the state, to yep. understand what the Bronx is, positive, negative, whatever the case is, and people are gonna be able to relate to that struggle in their own way, in their own case. Yeah, like I almost feel like as I was watching it, you know, I I, I try to keep up with the young folks. I, I, I watch TikTok <laughs> yeah. videos on what what Gen Zers think New York is, right, and right, and right, you yeah. know, there's all those stereotypes of the the Tims and the Yo yeah, Sun Bees yeah. and all that type of stuff. Chop cheese and all, yeah. all that all stuff. That shit, I, yeah. I love the Ninja Turtles stuff. Like I thought mm -hmm. that was cute. I thought that was great. But you know, you're you're an OG New Yorker, Luis, man. Like you've seen the city go through so much oh, over yeah, the bro. past several years, man. And you know, I, I just for somebody who's I don't want to say you've had a bird eye view of New York City, but you get you've lived a life that a lot of New Yorkers won't ever really live, man. Like you've mm -hmm. been everywhere, and you've got. I, to used, see I used to hang out with that guy that was on your shirt. This guy uh, right here. Exactly. Talk, 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 talk. Oh, I think. Uh, okay. This is this is God telling me to wear this <laughs> shirt, man. Talk to okay. me about this, man. You know, um, you know, and um, you know, we knew we knew Basquiat before anybody knew Basquiat. When did you meet him? What was the what was the what was that experience? Well, like? it was under really sad circumstances. Uh-huh. You know, because we used to hang out on we used to have a spot on Sixth Street and Avenue B. Uh-huh. And uh, but it was also the drug spot. You know? Yeah. And so he would come and say, Yo, you guys got an extra dollar too? Was was you but we didn't know who he was. Okay. I mean, I wasn't dealing. Oh, because I was all gonna ask. No, no, I, 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 I was never into that. Uh, I was, I was, I was a community activist. Right. It just so happened that the drug dealers shared the same spot that we 
Well, you, you, there's play, you gotta activate somewhere. <laughs> that's probably the places. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so he was like one of the first guys, him and Al Diaz and stuff. You know, because mm -hmm. they same. They, they used to they used to uh, run together. You know, but we had no clue who he was. I mean, is it a trip though to kind of like, even though you didn't know who he was at that time, you know. As the years go on, as and you kind of see, like, I, I knew him. You see I, the influence yeah, yeah, that yeah, he's yeah. he's had on 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 not just New York City but just culture in general. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I I see that influence on that mural that we see at the end in the movie. Yep, mm. you know, mm. that's that's part of that influence, you know. And I'm just gonna go back a minute because it's like even though it's a Bronx story, this story could. Happen in Austin, Texas, Chicago, Detroit, San Jose, California. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, North Hollywood, Miami, Dade County. You know, yeah. because all those places also have artists. Yeah, that are doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, and this story pretty much brings it all together for them, and it capitulates the struggle, the beauty the end result of what is the art, mm -hmm. you know, because it's like, I saw I saw a video, the, somebody sent me a video, and somebody in the beautiful art, but they had this huge studio. And so the streets is really what becomes the canvas mm. for all these young people. That's their studio. People. That's their studio. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so somebody paints something and then somebody tagged it when they shouldn't, then that's that's uh that's like it's fighting words, life. man. <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like I say, in our film we really see that the the culture of the art, of the street art, of really what it is and what it means to people. I was in I was in Bogota, Colombia, doing a show that you guys know, I'm gonna say it, narcos. Mm -hmm. And um, shout out Netflix. <laughs> we're going down this boulevard, and we'll talk about like thirty blocks, and it was thirty blocks of murals mm. that different graffiti artists had done. Mm. So it's like you're looking at this stuff, and it's just the whole influence that's there. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. It's a real culture, you know. It's like it's like when uh. Michelangelo started doing his stuff back in the day. Yeah. Nobody paid attention to this guy. Mm -mm, no. You know, they said, oh, okay, that's cool. But it was like years later that said, oh my God, that's work of art. Those are, those are masterpieces. Yeah. Right, right, right. It, it, it's... And it's the same thing with what we're seeing and what he wrote in his story and what, when you see the visuals. It all comes together like that. Let me, I, let I me remember, uh, okay. my fault, just to stay on the on the art mm -hmm. side of it, man. Like, I, I remember there was like a time where I think Giuliani was trying to go real hard on just getting rid of graffiti. This is vandalism. Shit, yeah. You know what I mean? He's this an is, idiot, but go ahead. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's definitely an idiot. But, That's um, you know, <laughs> we, it's almost like you mentioned how graffiti culture is one of the last like true art forms, especially mm -hmm. when it comes to New York City. And I think it, it went through a wave where you saw, you know, I remember when, when, when was it Five Points? When Five yeah, Points yeah. got, got, got painted over and all this type of stuff. And then now 
you know, as I'm not saying New York is, is, is on an upswing again, but, you know, I feel like the fact that we kind of stayed away from the city during the pandemic and mm-hmm. certain a lot of these big sort of multi-billion dollar buildings are becoming vacated and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. All this wild stuff that's happened since like there was, you know, the pandemic and the city sort of started to Shit. dilute itself yeah. that now I've noticed more graffiti starting to come out and it's being more prominent and it's celebrated now. It's not looked at as, you know, vandalism. Now it's, it's almost in the DNA of the city. Um, like, thank God it's still there. Right. Like there's, Absolutely. It, it, it feels like what you just said, man. Like, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of people didn't know what they saw in this graffiti for a number of years. And now as we kind of take a step back and time has gone on and you could see specific trains and big billboards and certain areas that are tagged up that you know could only be done by a spray paint. Like right. this isn't, you know what I mean? Right, not paintbrush, not, not Right. Paint. It wasn't yeah. like, oh, we're going to shut this thing down for a couple hours. We're going to do this thing. But like, nah, a couple kids got up there, did their thing. Mm-hmm. And years ago, you would see it painted over in like a month or two. Yeah. Sure. But now it you almost feel like that spirit of New York is is where that's at um do you believe that a film like this can help sort of like continue to push our city back towards what made it that or reintroduce or reintroduce to a new to a new generation of people was that something that you were cognizant of when you was making this yeah i mean i think you know i'm just protecting authenticity you know and like my up and just trying to replicate my true experience to growing up here you know mm-hmm. even though i'm not a graffiti artist i've grown up with graffiti yeah it's just a byproduct of, of living in the city so you know i never wanted to make a graffiti 101 movie you know i don't you know i don't want to i don't want you to watch this and be like i, I want to be a graffiti artist i want you to come out and be like i'm just inspired to do whatever it is that i want to do mm-hmm. you know and i think that's what graffiti represents so it just thematically works out um yeah, and I think once you're so protective of that authenticity, you don't even have to be conscious of it. <laughs> it's just, I call them happy accidents. They're just going to pop up all over the place because we're all making the same movie. Yeah, yeah, all pulling in the same direction, yeah. man. Let me ask you, uh, is there a soundtrack to this, to this film? Yeah, so we have our original score, which was made by Pierre Charles, 27-piece orchestra wow. at the Sony lot on like the same room that John Williams records his score, and it was insane um so that'll be out on spotify really soon and you know we have a bunch of amazing artists like rome streets mm-hmm. and i've been chopping up with west side gun mm-hmm. and chuck english did all the needle drops for the movie nice. um chuck. you know so we've just got a really we got this whole music chat group going on and we're trying to figure out the best way to like maybe do like a music inspired by or something like that but the score will be out on spotify i think in like a week or two do you have certain artists that you feel can speak directly to and articulate what this movie is. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any like one particular artist. No, just like a variation of like, I'm not asking just one, just like a yeah, variation of artists. I think just any artist who's like speaking their truth and being vulnerable and has a balance of like raw sophistication, yeah. it would make sense to be a part of this film because that's really what this film is. It's like, you know, I'm trying to treat street culture like fine art and like shoot it and depict it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, those Griselda guys, I'm so blessed that they've been embracing of us in the movie and have given us like Rome Streets. Um, so we were supposed to have, if if you see the movie in theaters, um, the, the end crawl song, the very end song, 
is a Rome Street song that he custom made for the movie called Story Ave. Mm. Um, because we originally had Nas the World is Yours, but we couldn't afford that. Yeah, um, I can imagine. With, with, yeah. a small, with a small <laughs> movie. Nice little ticket. Um, yeah. You know, so it's just like even that, like Rome in 48 hours. I was like, yo, we can't afford the song. Like, I need something for the end. Oh, I got you. I'll sing you something in 48 hours. And it's like Story Ave and the hook. And he's literally speaking from Kadir's perspective throughout the whole movie. Like, mm. man, that's that's really cool. You know, so like it's artists like that. You know, Luis at the uh, at the screening. Just to step away from the movie for a little bit. At the screening, uh, you you were given a, a lifetime achievement award for the Latino Film Festival, and uh, you know they ran a highlight tape of all your greatest roles and and all that type of stuff. And I think in in certain communities, especially in brown communities, there are certain actors that like have like a certain like place in our heart that almost. And I don't want to say, you know, I don't want to sound blasphemous, but they're almost like father figures on TV. You know what I mean? I'm not Puerto Rican, but I can imagine a lot of Puerto Ricans that grew up. No, I'm not, surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> but I can imagine. I feel like I feel like the, for for Luis, like like the version of him for us would probably be like John Witherspoon, like Pops. Yeah. Or okay. something where yeah, he yeah, just plays yeah. like the OG, yeah, like yeah, yeah. could be serious, but is actually hilarious right. all the time. Right. Um in a lot of roles, man, you have always been a a a very. I'd like to say, um, I'd like to say, you're always a vision of Puerto Rican culture. Um, when it comes to taking these roles and and especially playing these roles, uh, how much does it really affect you as far as like? How you want your legacy to be? I mean, you're 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 a legendary actor. You've done some of the greatest films, TV shows we've ever seen, all while staying true to your heritage and the people who look up to you and look at you and be like, Louis Guzman, you said something in the beginning of the of the of the speech too, where you're like, Oh, I know that guy from there somewhere. I know that guy from somewhere. And then eventually they were just like, Oh, that's Luis Guzman. You know what I mean? In your in your own thoughts. How do you sort of see yourself as far as legacy is concerned, not just as an actor, but as someone who represents so many people who enjoy your films, specifically uh, Puerto Rican people, the Latinos? That's a great, um, that's a great question. It's interesting because I grew up with everybody. Mm -hmm. And what I mean I grew up, I grew up Puerto Rican, Dominican, Mexican, Jamaican, black. West Indy, Jews. That's New York, man. That's, that's <laughs> but, 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 but that was that was my crew. Yeah. You know, we had a crew of kids. You know. Yeah. And and so, I was blessed to have that. You know, I knew what I knew. I knew what matzo balls tasted like. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I knew. I knew. I understood curry. You know, Korean food yep. and stuff and. I also got to learn a little bit about the cultures, you know? One of my boys, his dad was Indonesian. He was in the Merchant Marines. I could never wait for that man to come home, man, because right. he used to cook this dish, <laughs> you know? And, and, and so, you know, as far as my legacy goes, <clears throat> my, my, my legacy is rooted really the way I grew up and with all the people that I grew up mm -hmm. because that's what I exemplify. You know, and I don't, know, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have four children that I adopted. 
Oh, wow. I didn't you know? know that. I didn't know that. And, and two of them happen to be Afro-American, you know? My, my oldest is Mexican Salvadorian. I have a Puerto Rican daughter, biological. Mm -hmm. I have another daughter who is Afro-American and Jewish, you know? And so, and so it's like, understand, I don't see color. Right. I see humanity. Right. I see humanity. And that's what I gravitate to. You know, and I don't particularly go into a row saying, okay, the Puerto Rican guy showing up. Right. No, this human is showing up to do his work, to do his his message, to do his his love letter to this director. Mm -hmm. You know, because he gave me a love letter, I gotta give it back to him, you mm -hmm. know, and 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 that's how I, I I will always approach my life, you know. Um it's 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 that it's that simple for me. You know, and like I said, you know, growing up with everybody that I grew up with and getting that perspective has really helped me, like I said, love what I do, love all the people that I work with, and more so love how I have affected people and humanity, whether it was through my comedy through my drama or anything, mm. anything in, in that spectrum. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, so... I, I love that you mentioned uh, the matzo ball soup because I just watched uh, You're Still Not Invited to My Bar Mitzvah on Netflix uh -huh. and you play a, a Puerto Rican Jewish person. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're and Adam like, Sandler. Yeah. And you fit right... And, and they, mention, they make no mention of it at all. Like, it's just, it's just <laughs> normal as hell. And it's just... And I think that's really dope because... Yeah. In, in years prior, it would probably be like a whole thing about how and the wife met and da 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 da, and then you got the yarmulke on and all that type of stuff. But it just is in the film, yeah. and it makes more sense hearing you explain and that, that. And, and after I'm sure seeing that that's film, a, like just that thought process and that mindset is important to pass down to your your children for them to see that, for yeah. them to hear you articulate it through your art and probably to them. Like, how important is it for you to know? that they have received, you know, your thoughts and your ideas in a world that's very cruel, in a world that's very judgmental, in a world that's very sectored off into these certain parts of life. Not to mention the industry, that's also. It just, it like just industry as well. <laughs> but just like personally, how important yeah. is that for you that they get that? I'm sorry? That they, like your, your kids, you, you know, your adopted children? Yes. That they get the ideas of what you just spoke about, about just being a human, that you not seeing color. Growing up around different people and accepting their their flaws and their faults and their you know their their positives, like how important is it for you to that they understand that? Well, I I think that they're still growing, and that they're still learning, and um, they get it. You know, you guys don't know this, but I raised my kids in Vermont. Okay. And Vermont is the whitest state. In the <laughs> nice. You know. Um, but I was privileged enough, fortunate enough, to always have them traveling with me. Mm -hmm. Listen, on Thanksgiving Day, I had them with me, uh, and we were like in Hawaii doing a movie. Thanksgiving Day, we went, all of us, to a homeless shelter, mm. and we prepped meals. And it wasn't about 
that they were homeless people. They were people that were in pain, that were in need, and we were doing a good deed. Mm. Because that's what we do as a family. We take care of others. Mm. You know? We would I can't tell you how many times we would drive around with leftovers and the leftovers weren't going to make it home. We knew that. Yeah. We were looking for someone that was like, oh, that mm. homeless person. They need that. And my kids, my children would get out and say, we like to give you this meal. They did that, you know? Yeah. And I was always proud of that because that's how my mom raised me. Yeah. You know? Um, and And also being the social worker that I was. You know, I'm working with black and Latino young people who were like third, fourth generation welfare recipients. Mm -hmm. And my job, my job, which is the best job I ever had, was to help them understand independence. Mm. To say, you're not gonna be the next generation. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna provide you with the tools so you could go out into the world mm -hmm. So you can gain your independence, mm -hmm. you know. Um, My mom's a social worker too, so oh, I yeah. always, yeah. So I always that 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 that, that, hits, that me. hits me differently, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and in this movie, you know, you mentioned obviously why it was drawn to you, and I think after we've spoken about it, and kind of see why. I think a lot of it you draw from real life. A lot of the movie you obviously draw from real life as well but um you know throughout the movie you know uh they keep asking you like why why are you doing this why are you why are you being so why are you going out of this way out of your way to help this kid and why are you risking all this just to you know uh make sure this kid that you just met off the train is is okay and i think after hearing this conversation and and talking you know people will really see like you know it's not just a role you playing. Like a lot of that is is you. You know, like you said, I know these guys. Like I know these kids. I know. You know, I've I've worked with them. I've seen them. I am them. Um, when when it comes to this movie and and tying it into just real life and and just how much you you took into making it, was there any point like throughout this entire process that? You felt like maybe it, it flowed too close to the sun? Did it ever feel too close where it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I could do this? Or as an actor, do you relish that opportunity to make it feel so close I that, like, that I can I can add this to the performance? I think it was an opportunity that I had to use those tools that mm -hmm. I've developed in helping out our humanity. Mm -hmm. Um but like you've been saying, because I don't want to give too much of the story away. Yeah. But as far as the character that I played and understanding his pain, his loss, mm -hmm. and what he was hoping to gain in this young man, um, that just kind of brought it all together for me because I've lost... I've gained in my life. Mm -hmm. And like I said, this script allowed me the opportunity to do something that gave me a sense of resolve. 
not only as an actor but as a human being mm. you know uh you know i don't want to keep y'all too long but i i really want to ask this question and this is for both of y'all you know you finish everything's wrapped up you got these you know these screenings describe the first time you guys saw the movie in full and it, it ends what's your instant emotion or reaction mentally physically spiritually like just for the both of y'all you go first um i i think it really hit me it hit me more when we watched it when i watched it two weeks ago at the latino film festival because when i first saw it you know, it's like you you're seeing it for the first time, right. mm-hmm. so you're just processing somewhat, you know. Yeah. But and then Chicago was great, but when I saw it two weeks ago, I finally got not only watching it in my own hometown, but watching it, and it really sunk in. Mm-hmm. It really, really sunk into me. It's like, wow, this is this is beautiful. Mm. This is real. This is, I'm, yeah, I'm, fuck it. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> it's it's going to, it affected me. Mm-hmm. It affected me, you know, because, like, it's like I got a, I had an opportunity to try to help someone, mm-hmm. to try to help me through my pain, you know, and... When I see that, it's like, it really resonates with me. And it resonates, I felt it resonated with the audience because people came out affected by this yeah. movie. Yeah. People didn't come out and say, hey man, it was great, thank you man, do right. another one. No, people wanted to conversate about it, right. to mm-hmm. talk about it. Yo, dude, this, this scene well, affected mind, me yeah. this way. But, so like I said, I know we have something really special. Aristotle, same question. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm the director, so I'm I'm just like, okay, we need to fix. 70. Don't be biased. Seventy five. You're one of those people that's like <laughs> immediately. Like, oh, let's do this yeah, yeah. Yeah. every single time. Like Friday night was our opening night, and uh, there was a problem with the sound, and I was like, that needs to be fixed. <laughs> you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I, I um, you know, I've seen this movie no exaggeration, well over a hundred times, mm-hmm. you know, in full. Um, so it's a different experience for me because I'm numb to it all at that point. Like, honestly, the the gold for a filmmaker at any level of their career is perspective mm-hmm. because you're so entrenched in the work that it's hard to look at it from a person who is not familiar with the work. So... Just honestly speaking, I just started having non-hate watches <laughs> like three watches ago yeah. where like I can actually just watch it and watch it as someone who randomly found this. That's what I was about to say. Like, explain you know the non-hate watch to, to the uninformed. Yeah, non-hate watch is just like, I'm just like, oh, man, I should have did it like that. Yeah. Oh, man, we yeah. should have picked that. I should have cut there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I sh- you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, because you never really finish a movie. You abandon it. It's just the nature of the beast. You never have enough time. And um, it was just a thing where I had to abandon it in order to get it out into the world. Um, So, yeah, it's been fairly recent that I can watch it 
and um, okay. have feelings. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Luis, Aris, I know we talked a lot about the film, but before we get you out of here, we got to talk about a little bit of New York sports. Oh, come right? on. Right, let's go. Let's go. I know it's been, it's, been a rough, it's been a rough couple of months, you know what I mean, for us. <laughs> Baseball, uh, Yankees and Mets kind of let us down. Man. I got, so, it, I got the hype for football the season. Are the Bills part uh, of New York sports? Yeah. We, we talk, we talk, we talk Giants. What's up? We good? Are we good with time, by the way? We're 11.46 right now. Five minutes? Perfect. Five minutes is all we need. Let's get to um, it. Giants and Jets, you know what I mean? Giants and... Right. Giants are one and two. We Aaron play Rogers. We got a Monday night game tomorrow. <laughs> we all right. But, you know, basketball season's right around the corner. You know what I mean? We see, we see you at the Garden always, catching, catching the Knicks. You feel me? Um, lots of trades happening around the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I just want to. I just. I just want to talk Knicks with your partner. Let's, let's talk about. <laughs> let's talk about our boys, bro. What are, what, are we, what are we looking like this year? You got. You got. You like Jalen Brunson. You like Julius RJ. Listen, I. I. I love our whole team. Yeah. I think that um, uh, they've done a really good job of putting pieces together. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm glad that. You know, nobody's hitting a panic button. Yes. Yep. And which is what they've done a lot in oh, the past. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean I mean, listen, we could have had Donovan Mitchell Ugh. in in a draft. He had a heart attack over that. Like. We you know it's it'll, it'll come back around. It'll I come mean, back around. We, 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 we <laughs> got, Tyrese Halliburton. We we could have gotten um uh, uh, the guy MVP from Denver. Oh my gosh, Jokic. Jokic. Oh He went in the second round. Guy, oh, could have got Jokic. He went yeah. in the second. Ja and so Jamal it's like, Murray, a lot of guys, a lot yeah. of guys, a lot yeah. of almost passed Knicks. up on a but, lot of but years. Grant, you know, but like I said, I think we done this particular brain trust. Yeah, has done a really better job. Yep. Of really just putting a good team together. Mm -hmm. A good young team, an athletic team, you know. And listen, Julius Randle is a beast. I love Julius, yo. Julius you know is overhated I mean? in this city. He's a beast. You He's overhated in this city. I you love know, me some Julius. Because people don't know basketball. Nah. Those overhated do not understand, you know. 25 and 10 don't grow on trees, people. No, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, Barrett, he's going to be fine. Like you know, what I saw from him in the in the in the play for Canada. Yeah, this year. It looked good. You know, mm. Bronson is great. You know, it's just understanding it's a team sport. Mm -hmm. You know, one guy does not carry a team. Yeah, sure. You know, they could. We've but seen it happen. You're not but... gonna you're not gonna get the result. I know? enjoy I enjoy this Knicks era better because of exactly that. Like they didn't put all their piece together to get one superstar and now we're all just like come on Melo lead us yeah, come yeah, on yeah, Amari yeah, yeah, lead us you yeah. know what I mean I'm like, sorry that they, they did that a few years I ago I love him I love Melo you know yeah, what I mean no, I mean I, but, but the chemistry yeah. just wasn't right this feels like and we'll, we'll wrap this up right after this this Knicks team feels like maybe they're not a championship mm -hmm. team but for the longest especially in the past 15 years I've just been like can you just put out a team that I can enjoy watching every night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they do. They play hard every single night. They They're in the playoffs every Listen, year now. That's why I ride with Tibbs. I like I like Tibbs, That's man. why I ride with Tibbs. He's old school, but I like that. But listen, you know, we're going to play hard every night. We're going to get rebounds. We're going to play defense. Oh, we're yeah. going to make a pass. Yeah. Like That's what, that's what, that's what scares a lot of stars and, and, away, and, and, though. And he's the other thing. Even though they lost to Miami in the playoffs, yeah. 
They lost one game by five points. Yeah, they, they weren't blowouts. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Angelis was there. Was there? Right there, man. I'm just saying, y'all just gotta worry about Milwaukee now. I mean, Milwaukee. Milwaukee was already. That's why I'm, I'm, I'm not tripping. Milwaukee was already good. Well, yeah, they Milwaukee just got was already another yeah, star player. Saying, it's like, all right, now, they're, they're like, still here. You saying, still got to beat them. But, but now, in any case, man, Story Ave out in theaters right now. Aristotle Torres, Luis Guzman, thank you so much oh, thank you. for thank coming you, to say less, man. It, it really means a lot. Oh, We've been meaning to do this bless, for a while, bless. and it uh, <laughs> <laughs> means everything, man. Please, if you get a chance. Go check out the movie. It is incredible. Another friend of the show, Melvin Gregg, in the movie as well. Go check it out. Shout out to Bonsu uh, as well. Shout out Bonsu Thompson, one of the co-writers. It's an amazing, amazing film, especially if you're a New Yorker. Mm -hmm. Just support and just support good art, bro. Like it's yeah. been a crazy couple of months. There's AIs coming in, taking all this other. Support real artists. Support yeah. real creatives. Yeah. Put your money where your mouth is, man. Real, real, real spill, bro. Appreciate y'all for coming through. Appreciate y'all. Lo, you got anything to say before we wrap up? I'm going to Atlanta. I don't know if that's important. Why, you been training? I was about to say, you no, know, we're, we're, we're just going on vacation for a couple of days. Just couldn't out the city. That's enjoy it, bro. Yeah, enjoy, bro. Luis, Aristotle, any last yeah, words before you. we wrap thank up? You, nah, thank you, brother. Uh, yeah, you. you know, Story Ave. Like Cass said, Story Ave in theaters now. Listen, we are the underdogs, so we need all the support we could get. Let's show all those people who said black and brown faces can't make money at the movies that they're right. wrong. Um, you know, yeah, come show love. Yeah, like I said, show us the love because we love doing this project. This project is for you. Mm. This is our love letter to the world. Yeah, and it's a beautiful love letter that is. That's a wrap for today's episode. My name is Kazim. Find me with it like we always do at this time. Stay free. We miss you. Stay safe. We miss y'all. And always say less. We're we back. catch y'all next time, people. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Peace. That was great.